do better. Welcome to Do Better Podcast, a digital content hub from Asade, built for minds interested in doing better. Knowledge ideas, perspectives, and research insights on topics that matter. Business advice for better decisions and growth. Latest on the world of innovation and ideas. A look inside a global world beyond borders and an open view on social challenges. You can leave your comments and suggestions on dobetter.isade.edu. Hello and welcome to the Isade Doers, a podcast about entrepreneurs and innovators. Our guest today is Vidish Pursnani, co-founder of Greenlands Energy. Hi, Vidish. Thanks for being with us. Hi, David. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Vidish, tell us in 30 seconds, what is uh, Greenlands Energy? Greenlands Energy facilitates the transition of end users from conventional energy sources to solar. You can also see it as uh, solar as a service or solar as a utility. Uh, Traditionally, uh, solar has been expensive and people don't have the right knowledge around it. And this is the problem uh, we are trying to solve. So what we do is we basically install and maintain uh, micro power plants on rooftop for our clients. And... uh, uh, clients buy this uh, electricity from us over a long term. Perfect. So to make it clear, you don't sell the uh, installation, but it's rather solar as a service. So you say, hey, we are going to use your space, set up the, uh, the micro uh, plant and then resell you the energy, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. So most people uh, uh, who want to go solar, they have uh, two problems. Maybe some people have a problem with financing the project. But some people who can finance it, they still cannot run the project over the long run, right? So uh, we do a combination of, uh, of these services and uh, uh, they, they do exist uh, companies uh, who actually sell the projects, uh, but we are not one of them. We, we are a service right? that you, that you opt for. And uh, during the service, um, clients has an agreement with us to buy uh, the electricity from us and they have significant savings over the long term. So it's an end-to-end service from financing and planning the project to installation. We take care of everything and the client just has to offer uh, his rooftop space, whether the client is a university, the client is an individual person with a house, whether it's an office space. So they just give us access to their rooftop where we set up the power plant. And, uh, and then we have an agreement with them that they buy the electricity generated at this power plant for the longer term. And in the whole process, they have significant savings, plus they become 100% green. Perfect. And so you kind of already answer to what's going, what was going to be my next question, which is, so this service is both for uh, B2B and B2C, right? So you're, you're serving pretty much anybody that has a space where uh, solar panels can be put. Yes, uh, space. It's also rooftop space. It's also car parking space uh, that we started catering to. Um, the advantages uh, to the end user are many, uh, apart from uh, monetary savings. Um, they're also going green. They save carbon credits if they're, if they're a company uh, looking to do so. Another thing is that uh, the pricing is fixed. The unit price, because we can predict the prices and we have fixed costs and very few variable costs, we, we know what the pricing is going to be. Uh, and because of this, there's no surprise uh, to the end customer. Let's say tomorrow the crude oil uh, uh, cost increases or decreases or there, are, uh, there is a worldwide inflation on uh, utilities, including electricity. But our client is protected because there is no surprise because the agreement clearly mentions the price at which he would be buying the electricity units. So yes, B2B, B2C, and we we were expanding to um, uh, even um, NGOs. Uh, We were expanding to governmental organizations to to promote uh, solar. 
just a quick uh, question that many people will have no is it is there any risk let's say for a customer of yours that because of weather uh, they're not going to get enough you know solar light uh, and therefore that kind of overall the um there is no economic advantage for them so uh, we start off with a feasibility analysis right where we try to understand uh, how many hours of uh, it has to be feasible for them and for us also to make a revenue right so uh, this is a very important step in the whole process where we do a feasibility analysis and there's not just the weather but also the shadow analysis right I mean, lots of times if you're surrounded by taller trees if it's a house uh, between trees or if it's a if it's a building but there are other taller buildings or there is a scope in the future maybe a few years down the line of those buildings to come up uh, that mm -hmm. would seriously hamper the process and the project so uh, what we do is we do a feasibility analysis where we understand uh, um, at least a minimum uh, number of units that we can assure also to the clients over a period of year that you would get from from that particular area and since we started off in in mumbai so um, uh, mumbai is um, i would say very rich in sunlight you can mm -hmm. easily have nine to ten hours of sunlight uh, on a daily basis all year okay. long except for the uh, brief monsoon period perfect so visibility study and then once it's agreed on both sides uh, kind of you you launch it so going more on the on the business side right so you mentioned this seems like a very very good uh, deal for the uh, customers or for whoever kind of gives you the space um, how do you make money out of all of this Right, so um, we have high initial costs uh, uh, where we finance the entire project and then we build the clients, right? For us, uh, since electricity is coming from the sun, we have no cost of generating the electricity. We just have cost of financing the plant and maintaining the plant. So um, over a period of time, we bill uh, for the units uh, to, our, to our client, right? And this bill is roughly, I would say 25 to 30% lesser than what they would be paying to their conventional electricity provider, say in Barcelona and Desa, for example, right? So this is 30% lesser uh, to what they would be providing. So we do these calculations in advance. We have mathematical models and financial models, uh, which help us to calculate. We have, uh, we have a minimum threshold, right? Uh, based on the cost of, um, uh, of building the plant, we know that we really have to build them uh, a, a certain amount uh, to break even and then the profit lies on top of that right so we do have a range every time we, we meet clients and then there are negotiations as well uh, for for unit pricing with the client so we study the unit economics that's the most important thing uh, in this whole process it's a capital intensive business but we break even roughly in two and a half to three years right a solar project has a lifetime of 25 years uh, we break in in two and a half years, and uh, then we have just minimal operation costs like maintaining the plant, cleaning the plant, um, insurances, and so on, right? And uh, um, after 15 years, what we do is we gift uh, the plant to the to the client itself for the next 10 years, or he may want to upgrade it, or he may want to continue running it. Uh, and then uh, uh, the model changes to a pure AMC contract where we just maintain it, but we don't sell them the electricity. They have the rights on electricity after 15 years. Okay, that's uh, that's very interesting and a very very uh, short actually uh, break even uh, time for for such a project, no? Which is very high kind of initial financial cost. So one one thing that's interesting here is as well for, from an entrepreneur point of view, right? How did this project uh, kind of uh, came to be? Right? What what has been the the origin of this? Yeah. So. Um... 
I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I've done a lot of micro entrepreneurship projects since childhood. I did my innovation and entrepreneurship master from SR and I started working on multiple ideas. And one of these ideas was uh, uh, to, to facilitate the adoption of solar. And then eventually the pandemic uh, provided a perfect launch pad um, for our startup because more and more people were spending time indoors and they were facing a higher electricity bill. Uh, which is why they got aware about this and then they 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 were looking for options especially in india uh, alternate options so so this is what gave us a kind of a launch pad uh, to our project uh, this is how we started and uh, uh, it's counterintuitive because most entrepreneurs these days uh, want a capital light model or where they have to invest a lesser amount in assets uh, but here what happens is the initial investments are high but then even the growth of the company is fueled uh, by the revenue that we make. So for example, uh, we start billing our clients month on month for the electricity. And then let's say we have five clients, then the, then the revenue that comes in, we install a new project. So then it kind of self finances itself till, and then our capacity slowly goes on increasing and increasing uh, over a period of time. Perfect. Now, so of course, uh, this is in a way it's, of course, it's, as you mentioned, it's asset intensive. You need to, to buy the assets. It's uh, capital intensive, but it generates recurring revenues, which, uh, as we all know, it uh, makes the whole financial model much, much easier. So going even one, uh, one step uh, no, more into the, the genesis of the project. So you mentioned you, you were experimenting on different projects, etc. But still, it's complicated to to start right you cannot really make a, like a simple mvp for a project like this so how now did you do the, the steps from from zero to one right so yeah you're right uh, such a project requires um uh, uh some sort of a case study so that's what we started off with uh, i have an engineering background so uh, we did a case study so i got with my co-founders i started a case study project in my residential community this case study project gave us the confidence and the numbers that we needed to assess feasibility and return on investment of the micro project that we created. And then we eventually formed a company and then started marketing ourselves to uh, other buildings and other residential communities, which may um, make use of, of such a project. So generally um, we started off, the second project was um, in another residential community where uh, we propose to make their lift free of cost with a small project again, right? So we installed a few panels on the rooftop and the lifts became uh, free of cost uh, in the process. So this step-by-step, uh, -step, our confidence increased over time and uh, uh, solar has been getting cheaper. In the, if you see the last 10 years, uh, solar and batteries, these are two things that keep getting cheaper over a period of time. And uh, uh, if you see closely, our business is actually selling uh, green electricity, right? That's what the business is. And we know that uh, combined, there's a global trend of moving towards renewable energy as, and also we're selling something like electricity, which is, uh, which is not going to stop selling, right? It's not something that may go out of uh, use for the public, right? So uh, this gave us even more confidence and uh, we were able to set up a company and eventually then get uh, funding as well, a couple of rounds of funding as well. Uh, the numbers were very promising. And uh, as we started building the project and then we immediately had uh, revenue. The, the monthly revenues of, of uh, a single project would give confidence to even the investors that it's such a fantastic financial model, right? 
And did you, what about the very first one? Did you self-finance it or were you able to find somebody to finance the project? Like yeah, the, so, the, so the first part? round was self-financed and uh, we co-founders put in our own uh, money to build the first few projects. And then we started uh, taking external funding. Uh, so so this, this, is, uh, uh, this was a strategic as we did not want to dilute equity till we have a certain number of projects until we have revenue coming in. Which means now, in a way, this is also a very strong statement on how much you believed in the project, right? You said, hey, yes. we, want, we really believe that this is going to work. And so we're going to make this significant investment into, into building the yeah, first yeah, uh, yeah. So, installation. Uh, yeah, let's say, let's say you, 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 if, if you spend, uh, for example, 10,000 euros on a project and uh, you immediately start making 500 to 600 euros per month, uh, as a revenue from the project, those those numbers were real, and from the case study, we could find out that this is the amount of electricity which is generated, and and uh, the electricity has this much value at, at that particular point in time. So we were doing some. So for us, the electricity was free, right? Because coming from the sun, uh, it was all about financing the projects and maintaining the projects uh, over a period of time. So uh, we started by building uh, a network with um, with the suppliers of these panels and. Uh, uh, eventually, what what gave uh, gave our investors also confidence was our deal with Tata. So Tata is uh, one of uh, India's huge uh, companies, which is into uh, everything from cars to electricity and uh, consumer products and so on. Right. So uh, Tata produces solar panels, uh, and which is which is why we we made a strategic deal with them, and then they started helping us because. The more um, the more communities and the more universities uh, that we um, sign agreements with, the more supply of Tata that we purchase, right, uh, to fulfill those projects. So it was Tata's interest that we grow as a company. So in then in in turn they would be able to make higher revenues by selling those solar panels. So right. they, you, you're buying the panels from them basically, no? Uh, them and a few more companies as well. So we would uh, we did not have an exclusive agreement with them. But we had a strategic partnership with them, so we were free to uh, also buy um, from China as well. But then uh, the pandemic uh, didn't allow us because there was a lot of restriction on movement of goods. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had a couple of suppliers in our network, and uh, Tata was the biggest one of them all. And right. uh, anytime uh, Tata would get an inquiry where uh, where let's say um, an airport project, for example, who wants to do solar, so. Uh, an airport would obviously contact a, a very huge company like Tata to fulfill this project. But let's say they, the airport doesn't want to put their own financing into the project. So that's when uh, Greenlands Energy comes into the picture, where Greenlands would finance the project, would run the project. So the whole project was delivered. Some of the projects that were delivered were called Greenlands Tata. So it's a combination of Tata and Greenlands being in the, in the entire value chain. So that gave us a huge boost. Um, it gave us um, growth in our reputation and brand name as well. And there were a lot of in interviews. Uh, 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 since Tata was involved in the project, uh, media also covered uh, a lot of news around uh, this concept of uh, solar as a service. Right. So, of course, getting the, the very big uh, brand name helped you also in terms of PR and as well be being more uh, trustable no? from for a point of view of, of customers because they will uh, trust Tata and therefore kind of you know, by attachment right. trust you as well. Uh, on a more technical point of view, you uh, spoke about batteries prior. Uh, do you, uh, in your installations, do you also include like batteries? Because I've, I've seen that a lot in terms of solar, having this, this battery pack that's recharged during the day to, to provide, for example, homes electricity during the night. 
so uh, it's a it's a question i get asked a lot a lot a lot so basically um, it was my decision to not involve battery in the process what happens is battery technology uh, battery is expensive as well just as solar is expensive battery technology is expensive as well and that technology evolves very rapidly over a period of time right uh, within 3 years uh, you know that everything that you have is already obsolete so uh, we have an on grid model so what it means is giving an example of sade for uh, for uh, ease of understanding sade may purchase electricity from endesa right we do not stop that we do not break that so sade still is on grid with endesa the solar plant produces some amount of electricity and that's what we focus on right and we do not want a storage system because uh, in cities like mumbai or barcelona for example um, uh, there is a very good connection of network there's already electricity transmission available batteries is relevant to people living in remote areas where uh, there might not be transmission available that's when they need to store electricity here we do not want to store electricity we want to use the green electricity so so the model is slightly different and uh, it was um, my decision to not have battery in the process so we do not um, give a storage solution we do not want to store it we want to produce it during the day and use it that that's what the model is right and so basically the user will consume first let's say the electricity produced by the panels and if they need more this will come from the normal electric grid yeah so technically speaking what happens is um uh, there's a there's a, a uh, uh there's a meter which calculates uh, what is the electricity that you have produced and what you what you have consumed from endesa so let's say you have consumed 100 from endesa but you have produced 90 now endesa is only going to bill you for 10 because you have pumped back into the grid rather than being a consumer you have also been a producer at the same time so generally when we design these projects what we do is we we design them in a way that you consume what you need exactly but let's say you fall short or you have surplus you always you are connected to your actual energy provider right. in case there's a deficit or there's a surplus so you if, if there's a surplus you get credit for the electricity for the next month if there's a deficit then you pay uh, the the supplier of electricity the the local provider for for the uh, excess that you're consuming and this just to 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 finalize this uh, topic now also for people listening is because you started by saying that in a way you there's no surprises now for the customers because they know in advance the price um in case people consumes more and so they need to to get uh you know some extra uh, you know energy billed by the by, by the utility provider um what's the pricing is it your pricing or is the pricing of the of the you know the kilowatts coming from the yes. uh, so what happens is um we we designed the project that there is no such uh, scenario like this which happens but yes this is a possibility and if there that possibility exists what happens is let's say in the summer months you have a surplus you have a credit with the local provider and then in the winter months if you're using more for example uh, then you can use that credit but even if that credit is utilized then you buy electricity from your local utility at uh, the rate that prevails at that point in time so let's say if our power plant is generating 100 units a day and let's say your your consumption is 102 uh, on that day that two units you will have to purchase from uh, the electricity provider but when we create the projects we make an exact we study mm-hmm. uh, the electricity consumption pattern and we also um, sit with our uh, clients to understand whether they would be expanding or they would be uh, deploying um, uh, uh, energy intensive equipment so right. we did one project for a university where they were going to expand their lab and it was an engineering university 
and they were going to expand the electronics lab. So we had to take that into account as well. And at any point in time, if you still have an extra rooftop space, uh, everything else remains the same. We can at any point in time install a couple of more panels to, to if that if you're continuously uh, paying a higher bill to a utility provider, we could always uh, increase the size of the project provided you have space. Right. Perfect. And so I think now fast forward <clears throat> to uh, to the company story. No. Uh, so this uh, you explained very carefully now the model. Uh, this was working very nicely, but as well, this is um, a success story, you know, because uh, later on you mentioned, so you had this partnership, but you ended up exiting the company. Right. So this was um, uh, due to two reasons. Uh, the first one being the major one, which is the change in the government policy. So um, I studied the Australian market as well, where what used to happen was in the daytime, um, there is a lot of solar coming into the grid, but in the nighttime, when there's no sunlight, um, the discoms have to, the discoms of utility providers have to supply you with a higher demand. They have to cater to the city's demand of energy, right? So this creates a disbalance with your current utility provider. So uh, for example, there's a union with the utility providers in, in a country, right? So uh, they were demanding that the, the, the tariff uh, be fixed. Uh, and there were some technical movement from the way electricity is measured from gross metering to net metering and so on, right? So uh, in this process, uh, what I, uh, I felt that um, a move from the government to support them would, uh, would there would be a chance of my business uh, ROI moving from two and a half months, two and a half years, all the way till up to five and a half, six years, right? Which increased a lot of risk in the projects. And uh, uh, that's the reason why I thought it would be uh, wise to, to make an exit when I was given the chance. Um, after I've made the exit, the company is still doing very well and it's growing and it's uh, still expanding. There is no such um, uh, no such announcement from the government for any changes. Uh, but however, uh, uh, the discussions are still going on. It's, it's a long process because uh, uh, the government wants to facilitate renewable energy, but at the same time, it doesn't want to disappoint uh, utility providers, right? Uh, right. So, so there's, uh, the government has to strike a balance. So, which is why discussions are still going on at the moment. Right. It's a very complex topic now in, in many, many countries, as you mentioned. So the government yeah. is in this position where they don't really know um, which side to favor. But in a way, you kind of took the, the, the opportunistic situation and said, hey, there is, there is a growing risk here in terms of policies. Um, companies going well. So let's, uh, let's take the opportunity. Can we share uh, some more details about, uh, no, without getting into, into whatever you, you cannot share, uh, about the exit? So who bought the company? What was uh, kind of the deal? Um, I cannot share all the details, but it was a mix of um, a private, uh, a private equity and individual investors, Indian investors are coming in. Um, uh, two co-founders exited and one co-founder still continues uh, to run the model. Uh, with the philosophy that even if tomorrow government comes with the announcement, the current pro projects which are which are in existence, uh, it will not affect them, and the announcement will be only for the newer projects which come after that. So mm -hmm. uh, these are the philosophy, and uh, he still continues to run uh, the company. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, on one side, congrats. Uh, on your side, how long have you been running the company uh, you now before kind of the the exit? Um, roughly approximately, I would say, uh, 12 to 13 months, a uh, little more than a year, uh, was my time in the company. And it was very exciting, very chaotic, uh, on a daily basis, a lot was happening. And, um, 
uh, when 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 you do something where you're making a difference to the uh, to the community, right? Uh, in this case, uh, moving to renewable energy, right, which is very important considering the global warming status. So you're doing something good for 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 the world, but at the same time, you're also building a business around it and being profitable. And I love this intersection, and this is my point where I would like to be, where I'm doing, where I'm making an impact, and I'm also earning money, right? And when these two come together. Um, it was uh, it was magical and and the journey was amazing and then you have and then we had also KPIs where we would have uh, revenue per sunlight hour right so you have like uh, we were with every passing minute of sunlight you are making some revenue right and uh, when such a thing happens um, uh, you're you're really excited it was a fantastic journey it was a short one I would say but it was um, a lovely learning experience it was a profitable experience and uh, I wish the best for Greenland. So. Yeah, and you, you made, as you mentioned, no? and you made some impact as well. So it's, uh, it's been learning, impact, and profit as well. So right. this is uh, probably uh, all the best. Um, hopefully this, uh, and I think uh, that there is something uh, cooking already, maybe, no? So this uh, led you with the uh, interest in, in, in building something else. So uh, maybe okay. in the future, so you, I had you'll come back and tell us more. I had a non-compete with, with uh, once I made an exit, I cannot... Uh, build something mm -hmm. in the same space, right? Because um, it would be unfair to them if I build right. a company, right? And uh, then the customers would be divided between them and me, right? So um, it was a non-compete to be in this space and uh, for, for two years. And uh, right now I'm, I moved to building another company, which is right now a wealth service, but in the future it can be a wealth tech. Once we get uh, funding and once we're able to uh, build the technology around it, uh, it would be a wealth tech is what I'm creating. Right. So wealth management, uh, basically, yes. you know? Yeah. Great. Then uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll invite you over uh, in the future to, to discuss that, uh, that as well, no? Uh, hoping yeah, that this would be another, another great success. Um, but Vidish, for now, um, congrats for the, you know, for the study of Greenland's energy. And let's move to the, to the second part of the podcast where, I'd like to uh, learn a little bit more about you as a person, you as a founder. And so the first question I'd like to ask all of my guests is, uh, what book are you currently reading? I'm reading a book, Thinking Fast and Slow. It's mm -hmm. by uh, Daniel Kahneman. And uh, uh, I'm halfway through. It gives great insights about the human mind and the decision-making models, biases, errors, uh, it helps me understand if I make a particular decision, why am I making uh, that particular decision? It talks about uh, making uh, quick decisions and slow decisions, right? And uh, how our mind oscillates between the, between both of them. Absolutely, no big big classic, and uh, as well among entrepreneurs, and uh, strongly recommend that. Um, very very useful and useful insights about how we how we make decisions. Good. Um, moving to bit more the, the the opportunity space uh what do you think is a currently very interesting startup of course beyond the, yours uh present and past ones yeah yeah beyond opulence wealth i would say um uh, i think um, uh, something that everyone would connect with is spacex uh, because um, after reinventing um sending rockets to space i think they have more opportunities here you know and uh, if they can build rockets which can go to the orbit and come back and land safely, I think the next thing that what they could look at is um, uh, travel in the suborbital space. So even above what planes fly, right? 
And let's say somebody wants to make a trip quickly from say Mumbai to New York, for example, you know, which would be 14, 15 hour journey in a plane. If they're able to utilize the suborbital space for travel uh, with their rockets, I think that would be a fantastic uh, opportunity over there, you know, which could bring down the commuting time to perhaps just one hour, you know, between these two cities. And uh, they, they are very well placed uh, for, for building something like this. Wouldn't that, though, uh, create some troubles on the sustainability side of this uh, kind of uh, travels? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But um, Elon Musk is known for for tackling like when he, he's somebody who built Tesla, and uh, if he can if he can move the world from uh, traditional cars to electric cars, I'm sure that there could be a solution uh, for this as well, uh, where it could be a sustainable way to travel very quickly uh, for long distances and uh, suborbital. So, anyways, even if, if if it's a traditional airplane, right? It's it's still uh, an unsustainable model. Airplanes still don't run on electricity; they still run on fuel. Uh, it's just the difference between airplane fuel and rocket fuel, right? And, and that's the difference. Uh, but then scientifically speaking, uh, the the amount of uh, fuel burned would, would somewhat be similar. Here you burn it in one hour, there you're burning it over a period of 15 hours traveling in a plane. Uh, but, but my hopes are high. I mean, uh, I think mm-hmm. Elon can come out with some ideas which, uh, which could make it a sustainable form of transport. Definitely, and I'm seeing a lot of uh, movement now in the in the hyperspeed uh, kind of uh, transportation in general. So uh, a different level, not ground, uh, air, um, and so suborbital could be one. So very very interesting space to look into. Talking about spaces to look into, um, what are uh, trends that you think uh, people looking into starting a company now should uh, should study? A lot of happening uh, around the. A lot of things are happening around the world, from blockchain to uh, metaverse and artificial mm-hmm. intelligence. Um, personally, I'm bullish on artificial intelligence and uh, health tech companies and edutech companies. I also believe that uh, eventually, you know, a few years down the line, education will be uh, democratized. It's going to be easily accessible to anyone and everyone, and also not just any education, world-class education, right? And uh, um, top uh, professors around the world could, could join this movement where they could make their classes uh, entirely free for all the people uh, around the world. And I feel that that could be a space where someone can look, can look at. Great, definitely. You know, and this will be uh, so democratization of, of information and of education are very interesting spaces. Um, talking about you as, as a founder, as a manager, is there any advice you oftentimes give, but do not follow yourself? Uh, I do advise people not to procrastinate, uh, but being completely honest, it's a trap I fall into myself. And maybe I will answer this question at some later point in time. <laughs> but um, um, I would say there's a master procrastinator sitting in my brain who is capable of telling me don't rush into things all day but but we know that time is precious right? it's, it's a war with me with my procrastinator person in my brain so that's something that i keep uh, coming across which is why again i'm reading the book by daniel kahneman to to understand why i think the way i think uh, so that's it that's about it okay yeah definitely you know, this is as well something that i hear from from any founder in terms of you know, mm-hmm. how to find uh, and, and to allocate the, the right amount of time and, and to plan things the right way uh, definitely. So, very final question. Talking about uh, again on the on the professional side, um, what has been your biggest mistake? Uh, 
Mm, I wouldn't say it's the biggest mistake, but since we've talked a lot about Greenland's energy, I think being uh, very much on the same page with your co-founders, uh, this is this is absolutely essential. I think you need to be more on the same page with your co-founders than maybe your spouse. You know, that's the level that has to work on. A couple of times, um, I would find myself uh, in some small friction in choosing which supplier caters to which project. Right? Uh, there are while while uh, let's say if my co-founder wants to go with Tata's and I want to go with another uh, provider because it's for example the ROI is better in a particular project, but he cares about a brand reputation of Tata and associating more uh, or, or working in shadow of a bigger company, whereas I would want to. Uh, work independently and have my options open, right? So there are some friction points which may come across uh, where you do spend a lot of time and energy in, in getting on the same page, right? You debate, obviously it's good to debate, uh, uh, but when you're in a, in a high growth phase uh, at that particular point in time, uh, I think you should be uh, one with your co-founder, right? That's, that's, uh, that's something that I would advise to all entrepreneurs, right? Even before starting off, that is something which is key uh, to the success of a company. More than the idea, I would say the team dynamics is, is very important. Absolutely, no, and, and you mentioned something that as well I'm hearing a lot, no? So it's um, about the, 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 the chemistry, the dynamic, and the, the way you relate with your uh, co-founders, which is a, a long-term uh, relationship, and it's uh, many, many hours and a lot of tension and decisions to be taken during the day, so it's important to um, to keep that uh, and, and to be able to manage that properly. Vidish, this has been extremely interesting and um, I thank you very, very much for, uh, for your time, for sharing uh, your story, for being inspiring to, to other founders and as well for the impact you help make uh, in, in the world and into, into the you know, transition towards more sustainable energy. So all the best moving forward and thank you very, very much for your time with us. Thank you so much, Davide. Thank you. If you still want to learn more, remember, you can register on our platform, dobetter.asade.edu. That was all for today. Until next time, thank you. Do better.